Welcome to Here We Grow, a grassroots podcast by Southwest Georgia Farm Credit focused on education and inspiring growth down on the farm, at home, and in rural communities. Whether you're a farmer or farm her, advocate, land lover, or southern dweller, we have industry experts and homegrown leaders ready to share their insights with you. Thanks for listening. Here we grow again with episode four of our new podcast. It's fall, y'all. I'm your host, Billy Billings, a relationship manager with Southwest Georgia Farm Credit. Today, I welcome a cohort of expert guests taking time out of their busy schedules to share their knowledge of land and recreational properties here in Southwest Georgia, how to finance them, and how to look at them as an investment opportunity. I would like to thank Mike Matry, Brant Harrell, and Lee Folsom for joining me today. All right, first on our list today is Mr. Mike. Mike is the president of Matry Forest Consulting in Leesburg, Georgia. Established in 1999, Matry Forestry provides land brokerage, land management, and forestry services. Mike is a 1996 graduate of the University of Georgia Warnell School of Forestry Resources and is an accredited land consultant, a member of the Association of Consulting Foresters, and is a licensed forester and real estate broker in Georgia and Alabama. Mike, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, I'm going to let you take the floor here for a minute and just kind of tell us, I mean, what you're seeing in your industry and across Southwest Georgia. It, it's good right now. It, it's always good in Southwest Georgia, it seems like, with land, even through the lean years after the, say, 2007-2008 downturn, we, we still had strong demand for land. And that's kind of what I was going to talk about was, you know, why is Southwest Georgia such a hot place to be? Why do people want land in Southwest Georgia? And, and my first answer has always been location. Um, sounds like a cliche, location, location, location. But we're, we're sitting right on top of Florida. And there are just so many Floridians that are outdoorsmen that want to hunt big deer and they don't want to drive too far to do it so that that's a big part of it and then other than that you know we we got everything you want in good land we have good soils and uh for for growing crops growing timber and growing wildlife we got good topography in southwest georgia we got the flatlands down south all the way to near mountainous type land and uh, Lumpkin area especially. Some little places you feel like you're in North Georgia but you're in Southwest Georgia. We got good water which is critical for irrigation of course but also for for uh, recreation, fishing, hunting. Um, we're blessed and in the water department in southwest georgia and our agriculture markets we grow crops but we have we can sell the crops we got good roads to get crops to market and same thing with timber um we got some of the best timber prices year in and year out in the entire southeastern united states no matter where you are in southwest georgia you usually have at least a couple of mills competing for both pulpwood and saw timber. That usually results in good timber prices. And then kind of a 
a new market, so to speak. Not really new, but it's just become more in the forefront lately is, is people that just want a piece of land to escape to. And uh, that, that especially started shortly after the, I guess you, you would say the riots of the summer of 2020. I mean, we started getting calls from Atlanta and, and, and out of Florida, just people saying, hey, I, I want some acreage. I want water on it. I want a place to grow a garden. Some of them wanted to be near the power grid to hook up to the grid, but some of them don't even, didn't even worry about power. They said, I'm going to put a generator there. I'm going to do solar. I just want to be able to leave Atlanta or Orlando when I need to. And uh, Anyway, you put all that together, we just have a great market, and that, and we are optimistic going forward about the land market in southwest Georgia for all these reasons. I am as well. Um, for our listeners, can you break down the timber that goes in, or mainly pine, can you break down the longleaf, slash, and loblolly and kind of what to expect out of those um, different forest products and, and just their timelines? Yeah, um, and we get that question a lot, what what should I plant? But loblolly and slash are very similar. We're usually thinning pulpwood at around age 12 to 15, depending on genetics and competition control and site index um long leaf you're probably going to add about five years to that first thinning um or second thinning chip and saw and small saw timber on loblolly and slash around age 20 and we're getting into real good bigger saw timber around age 25 to 30 but generally, I had about five years for longleaf. And, of course, the benefits of longleaf, though, are there's more conservation assistance payments, and it, it is better for wildlife. You're going to be able to burn longleaf at a young age, and it, the canopy doesn't close quite as much. So you're usually just going to have a little better wildlife habitat with longleaf, but you're going to wait longer to harvest it. But, but then you also have the pine straw for longleaf. Right. And I've also heard that in the CRP program, they've increased their payments per uh, per acre or per property recently to make it more advantageous. Yeah. Uh, we've had a couple clients renew CRP lately and were pleasantly surprised at the rental rate. Yep. I agree. Well, I appreciate that, Mike. We're going to go on to our second guest today. And then at the end, we're going to circle back and kind of tie all three of these speakers' points Back together, but our second guest today is Mr. Brant Harrell. He was born and raised here in Decatur County, Georgia. He is a graduate of Georgia Southern University. He has farmed for 25 years and has served as a lender and relationship manager for Southwest Georgia Farm Credit for 15 years. He also serves as the chair of the Decatur County Agricultural Committee. Welcome, Brant. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate the opportunity to come and share the afternoon with you. We appreciate you coming. Um, I'm gonna let you take the floor and share your piece today. Well, my topic includes the owning and financing of, of agricultural land in southwest Georgia. Um, that's two of my favorite topics. Uh, you know, I, I'm a lender. I'm an RM. And uh, when I begin to talk to a potential client about owning land, I try to find out what their goals are and what, 
they want the land to do for them and produce for them and 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 how that looks um you know some of the um i believe that that purchasing the land can actually be divided into two parts uh when you're getting started that's uh you're trying to decide on on uh what what you actually want to purchase uh, some of the questions i always try to ask is are you looking at it from a investment standpoint or recreational use um what do you want to routinely enjoy on the land um you know there's hunters there's fishermen there's bird watchers um i've got a client that actively plants different fruit trees each year and and um that's his hobby and that's his goal and that's what he enjoys so you know when you're looking at a track like that you you really need to pay attention to to what you want to do with it and, and find a piece of land that that meets that goal um second thing is you know as you begin to talk to a client you you need to get a feel of what kind of investment they want to make or or what's their budget what do they want to get into it at and um you know as mike was saying uh so there's a good opportunity to to make investments uh, both in in the timberland and in uh farming the agricultural properties whether you farm them yourselves or rent them out as a as a landlord um in some places actually have the the added benefit of having a, a annual cash flow and timber growth and recreational growth um so you know you just got to kind of decide on what you want to do um one thing i always ask of a person is uh do you do you have a professionals that are going to assist you or going to advise you to to meet these goals um you know early on i like to talk to talk about a forester if there's timber on it what's uh what are you looking for with that can we get you a management timber plan put together that helps a lot you know we we look back on the storm of um hurricane michael everybody remembers that and those folks and landowners that had uh, timber appraisals or timber management plans were able to go back and and uh, establish a basis for uh, their losses uh, they, they were able to lay some groundwork going forward about getting in those tracks straightened out and back on the management track um, you can take a good you can you can take a good timber management plan and look uh, at a rate of return on that track um, Mike what do you, what's a good rate of return on on our soils here in southwest Georgia on an annual basis um, as far as uh kind of long-term return on investment in yes. timberland you historically it's been about eight percent maybe a little better i'm talking about all inputs over a period of time on the on the ownership of timberland uh that's kind of been a target rate anyway of some of these investment funds but uh the growth rate can be significantly higher than that but once you factor in the cost of ownership and and all that um you probably should be doing at least eight percent on your money or better you know and that's one one thing i always look at too and, and talking with a client as you're talking about diversifying a balance sheet and timberland and land is a great way to go um long you know in addition to like a store uh stock portfolio or whatever you know it's, it's just a longer term investment it's not as liquid but it's a great investment um 
like Mike was mentioning, location is a huge factor. Uh, we have people that come in and, and, you know, they may want an isolated track where uh, basically you got to import sunshine. Uh, get, they get back and they kind of want to rough it and uh, maybe not have electricity, but just get out and kind of bond with nature. And then you've got other people that, that are looking for a place that, um, you know, they, they bring their families to enjoy it and maybe they want some shopping or go, the ability to go out to a restaurant or uh, maybe some infrastructure like that. So you got to be mindful that you're, that you're buying something that you can use like you want to use it. Um, one, of the, one of the points, too, has is, been brought up to my attention lately is, you know, we have a lot of state land, uh, especially down in southwest Georgia, um, State, state and federal land and so if you buy a place close to that you know are you are you going to use that accessibility to those public lands to add to your your track uh, you know like down at, down around Seminole County South Decatur County you've got the uh, Silver Lake and Lake Seminole areas and you know that's huge for duck hunters and uh, fishers fishermen and so you may not be able to get all that on one on the property they're purchasing but it but it is there and they could enjoy it if it's uh you know if it's close i always like to know what kind of physical features that the person wants to have on their track are they looking for uh water you know is that a must and then you know that was broken down into or if you're a fisherman you probably want a pond big enough to manage for trophy bass or bluegill or whatever your target is Um, you know if you're a deer and, and turkey hunter you may be happy with a small creek that wanders through the, the property. Um, or you may want a river riverfront type property. And so that's, you got to, you got to know kind of what, what your water source is going to be and, and how that blends into what you want to do. Let me add something in there about return, backtracking a little bit. One thing I like to point out on the timber part of it is <clears throat> a great thing about a well-managed timber asset is it doesn't really matter what the economy's doing. You're going to be growing your timber year in and year out. Um, I mean, we can hit a a downturn and might get out of it in five years. And during the five years, you you put a lot of wood on the ground. Um, so you that that's kind of a, a one of the safety nets that timber offers. I I completely agree. Just to echo uh, our two speakers right now, Mr. Mike and Mr. Brandt, the, the value of the land recently has gone through the roof in our area. We can all agree to that. Uh, our next speaker, Lee, is going to dive into more of that, what makes his job harder than it's been years past because, like I said, we've got Florida to our south. The people are coming up and they're wanting to buy land, um, and they, they just they got to have it. And So that's driving up prices and comparables when you go into a, a – um, appraisal situation and I mean sometimes I mean it might be a bordering property and you just got to have it and sometimes you're willing to pay what it takes to get the property and so that can make the property value go through the roof but we do have great soils we do have great water source here we have great access to mills for timber and um, and our neighbor to the south Florida has sent out a lot of buyers recently um, for better or for worse they're coming up and they're they're wanting to get a slice of Georgia so at this point I'm going to jump on to our third speaker, Mr. Lee Folsom. He's a graduate of Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, with a BBA in accounting. He holds an enrolled agent's designation for the Internal Revenue Service and is a certified general real property appraiser here in the state of Georgia. 
currently serves as the chairman of the Board of Assessors in Cook County and is the president of the Georgia Chapter of American Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. Lee, welcome. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and be, uh, be with you today. Billy, where, where we're seeing uh, prices go is, is, is nothing but up. And, it, and it's like uh, Mike and, and Brand alluded to, while the economy may be tanking from a commercial standpoint, uh, the, the real estate continues to increase in value, continues to be needed the demand continues to rise from a from an influx of of migrants from Florida, from California, from Texas, I mean from other places, they're driving demand and there's no more of it. So uh, land prices have have gone up, you know, I mean to to the point that, that we've seen uh, Farm real estate overall, uh, from one year to the next, increased somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to eight percent. Again, it's it, it's almost akin to the to the to the loblollies and the and the the pine trees, in that and that the 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 dirt holding the trees in the ground is appreciating at the same rate. Um, you know, irrigated cropland, you know, in our our neck of the woods because of the moratorium that's been in place for so long and the, the difficulty with, with getting permits to, to drill wells and those kind of things has continued to drive those prices northward to, to a level that is, I mean, it, it, it far out, it far surpasses the, the rest of the state. I mean, we're, we're in the neighborhood of $6,500 an acre and the statewide average uh, as quoted by USDA, is is somewhere in the neighborhood of forty six hundred dollars an acre. So, Southwest Georgia, uh, our our farmers, and those that are holding those acreages that have well permits on them, they have an asset that is truly invaluable to them, and it it continues to increase in value. Now. Uh, from a from a residential standpoint, you know, kind of kind of looking at, you know, where where I guess sort of where the rubber meets the road, where everybody, the consumer, uh, looks for for why is why is everything continuing to escalate the way that it is? Um, there's a shortage of inventory to sell. We where it, in 2008. That that whole implosion of, of the real estate market was caused by an overabundance of inventory. We're much the opposite direction now because of the management that the financial institutions had put into place along with uh, Congress and, and other regulatory agencies. They've, they've constricted the the construction to a point where we now have a shortage of inventory. Again, the mass migration from, from other uh, locales where uh, you name it may not be as favorable. Uh, the, 
the potential elimination of the state income tax is driving folks to Georgia, which I look for that to happen within the next three to five years. You're going to see where we will we will be just like Florida in that we're not going to pay any state income tax. Um, the 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 fact that Georgia is a business friendly state for the for the last eight to nine years, Georgia has been the number one state for doing business. That brings folks here. That attracts business and industry. And when you attract business and industry, you've got to bring folks to be able to fill those chairs and continue to, to manufacture the widgets that those companies bring with them. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing an increase in residential uh, uh, interest rates, and that has brought some of the residential market to a, to a slowdown. I'm not going to call it a screeching halt, but it's a it's a slowdown in that in that 15 year mortgages are now in the sixes, and 30 year mortgages are are in the low sevens, uh, and and I look for that to. We're hoping that it's going to stabilize, and that those those mortgage rates are going to stay fairly steady until folks can kind of get their head around and arms around what's happening in those in you know with those interest rates a lot of that's driven by the the 10-year treasury average and but what but what you see and hear a lot in the media is based on the fed funds rate which is we're due for another three-quarter point uh, increase in november after the Federal Open Markets Commission, after their meeting, uh, the second week of November, and then probably the first quarter of 23, we're looking for probably another half, quarter to a half on, on an increase there. And then, then we, look for those, we look for those increases to sort of soften. A lot of that is going to be driven by what happens the second, the second full week in, in uh, or the, really the second Tuesday in November. Once your election's over with, all the votes are counted, we know what kind of direction we're going to have going forward after January 1st of 23, then we will be able to know sort of all, all, of, all, of, the, all of the decision makers and the policy drivers in, in the market We'll know what direction Washington and Atlanta, more especially, is going to head, and that's going to give them a clear direction as to which way we need to we need to be headed. Uh, it uh, it's it is how good is your crystal ball? I mean, it, and, and you know, a lot of it is going to be driven by the second Tuesday in in November. So if you've got a if you've got a a good crystal ball and a good farm manager, then you ought to be able to, uh, to really make some hay. Well, Lee, I couldn't agree more with you and our two previous speakers. Uh, things I've heard all my life from my grandfather is we have the best farm and land in the world down here in Southwest Georgia. And, you know, as a young boy, I just kind of let that roll off my shoulder. But now being in the career that I'm in 
deal with farmers every single day. I mean, I truly believe that statement from him. We have access to water. We're above two aquifers here. Land elsewhere is extremely more expensive. So while we've seen an appreciation in our area, it is still cheaper um, nationwide than it is um, elsewhere. Um, they're not making more of it. That's that's a statement that I've, it led me to buy my own real estate track recently this year. It's, they're not making more of it. And now with the um, technology advancements, we've got a lot of teleworkers now. Somebody that used to work in Atlanta or out west in other states, they, they can now buy a small farm on some acreage and work from home. So that that is what has driven some of the prices. And a lot of questions we get asked on our website when looking at land all the time, are there utilities? Well, um, you have to you have to look at the plat. You have to go to that county and see if there may, there might already be utilities on it. Sometimes in the listings, it's already listed. If not, there's normally access to utilities. There will be money paid to the county or city to run poles, run power, but that is most of the time doable. Is it buildable? Um, a lot of times um, people want to know where they can buy, build on a property. Well, we have flood maps we can pull for you. And um, if it's not in a flood map, if it's not a flood zone, 100-year flood zones, which have, have grown recently, you can build there. Is it accessible? Um, the, the main thing is, I mean, do you have access to the property? Is it blocked by an easement? Or can an easement be put in place? And then the, um, the, the, I guess, the defined boundaries. A lot of times there is a plat out there somewhere. You, you just loan officer like Brant and I just have to go find it, and we'll help you with that, that question. But um, at this time, we're going to ask a few questions. Okay, Brant, so hearing uh, everyone talk today, why don't you lay out kind of what Southwest Georgia Farm Credit Financing options are right now for raw land not a house on it if you, whether you're looking to be a pine farmer timber farmer or whether you're going to be just a recreational track owner and come up from wherever come down from wherever and do some hunting sure be that's a great question um this question i'm asked you know every interview um the, the our our loans are um built to put someone in long-term ownership and so we accompany that the financing to that um, a lot of times if you're working with uh, somebody like Mike and, and you planted some timber then you want to keep your cash flow obligations as, as low as you can um, while increasing your, your rates of return so we would probably look at something like a 15 or a 20 year note um, in today's rates probably um, our loans loans are still attractive in that they do not have balloons and you know we're just kind of on the onset as as Lee was talking that um probably on the cusp of increasing even more so uh, a long-term rate that's fixed for the life alone out to 15 or 20 years is advantageous to um to keep your cost down each each um, you know each pay period and then the um you know another thing to look at is if uh if you're going to, if you're a timber track and you're trying to match maybe your uh, your cash flow obligation your payments to the growth of, in the timber, maybe make two different notes, one for the amount of timber that's on that track that's going to be harvested over time. Um, and then that is, as that note is paid off, the second note paid off, you would have, uh, you'd have some cash freed up to then to continue to improve the property or, or just lower those, lower those payments. That, um, that, that makes it. Right. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, if rates go down in the future, will Southwest Georgia Farm Credit call you up and say, hey, we're willing to drop your rate because our direct note rate cost has changed? 
not only any any time but every time awesome well to echo what you just said mike what are you seeing out there in the as far as the form of hunting lease income if someone is just looking to spread their portfolio out add agriculture to their portfolio what what can they maybe see as far as despite the timber income that they're going to have what are what are you seeing that they could maybe lease it out for hunters for yeah that uh it, it's gone way up it's kind of hard to pinpoint exact hunting rates partly because there's value in hunt in leasing to a good hunter at a fair price as opposed to leasing to who will pay me the most money because you want a good hunter out there or a good club that's going to respect your land and respect your wildlife. But that being said, for years, we were seeing a lot of 10 to $20 per acre leases across southwest Georgia. And right now, I, from what I've seen, I think that shifted to more like 15 to 30 for a lease. And, and a, I mean, that just depends on what kind of amenities the property has and and hunting pressure around it um i mean i've heard of some 40 dollar per acre leases but you know you need to come see southwest georgia and buy some land if you're gonna pay that much for a hunting lease i agree i mean that follows the age-old statement of you get what you pay for but this kind of flip-flop in this scenario sometimes somebody might be willing to pay more but it's best to have the best person that's going to be a steward of your land on your land. So, well, Lee, after hearing these two guys, you got anything else to chime in? You know, I, you know, we talked about the uh, where uh, Mike sort of segued into rental of uh, of hunting leases. Uh, the the as everybody is, I guess, fairly well aware of the there's an increase in the uh, cash rent for uh, for those that for those families that lease out their farms as well for uh, uh growers i mean the the while the while the increases aren't near as near as pronounced as as the as the hunting leases you're still within a, a you know a 10 percent increase year over year from 22 you know 22 from 21 on every type of farmland um you know and and it, it goes along with uh, input cost and fertilizers and seed and, and everything else that goes along with it. The the rental cost has uh, has gone up as well. And and so you know we're we're in that we're in that cycle where everything is sort of you know the the profit margin is 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 getting thinner for the grower, getting thinner for the hunter because the 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 hunters. You know, paying more for the lease as well. It costs more to harvest that deer or that turkey or, or, uh, you know, pull that trophy bass out of the pond. So, uh, but with with that said, for the landowner in this situation, that's a kind of a, it's a great spot to be in, in that you're able to affect more return on your investment for really something that you've held for years. Your 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 investment is now worth more uh, than it was, hopefully when you bought it. You know, let me add to that if I could. Not only, um, you know, your property taxes come each year, uh, maintenance and upkeep on the on a farm, such as cutting fire breaks and maintaining roads and um, paying a timber uh, a, a forester to come and help manage it. So some of that's paid through 
the uh, land leases. But again, as both these guys have said, a good steward of the properties is really where you want to be. Most definitely. Well, to echo all three of the speakers today, what I've taken away is if, if you're on the fence out there, want to buy a little slice of heaven for yourself and your family, and you're worried about the interest rate market, worried about the economy, just come see us. We, we have a loan-to-value standard. It's appraised value or sales price, whichever's less, which keeps you in check. At this point, that concludes our podcast today with Mike, Brant, and Lee. We appreciate y'all coming. To read a transcript of today's podcast, visit our website at swgafarmcredit.com. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get notified of our new episodes and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for great industry resources. Thank you all again and happy harvest.